I'm enjoying this time that we've been going through Family Matters. I hope you're enjoying it. We're in week 10 this morning. And uh, we've, we've been going through eight milestones that every child needs to have by the time, or every child needs to reach by the time they leave your house. And again, this is my list. It's not a hard and fast list. You could add some to it if you wanted to. I wouldn't recommend taking any away, but you could add some to it if you wanted to. But there's eight things we're looking at, and there's probably more. But one of the things that we're going to look at this morning, this is number six, is tremendous work ethic with corresponding habits and disciplines. And we're going to talk this morning about putting work ethic into our kids and uh, how, how to help them in this way. I want to talk to you, first of all, about a limiting factor. If you know what a limiting factor is, it's just basically any, any factor that without fixing it or removing it will always limit growth. You can never grow beyond this one factor until it's eliminated. If you look this definition up in the dictionary, one of the examples it gives is a deer herd. It said that winter food or winter food that is available is the limiting factor to a, the herd size of a deer. In other words, until that is solved, that herd will always stay at a certain size because that is the limiting factor. It cannot grow beyond that. I was thinking about it and thinking that a limiting factor uh, for just about communication in general. You know, we live in a day and age of instant communication. But for a long time, technology was the limiting factor for communication. If you can think back to a day, and it's hard to imagine, where you needed to get a message to somebody and literally the only way was to get on a horse and start riding for a few days and tell them, you know, 30 seconds of valuable information. I mean, whole wars were lost because of the limiting factor of technology and communication. I mean, if you think back to the Revolutionary War, there were times where letters had to be sent by ship across the ocean back to Great Britain and then months for a response. And in that time, everything had changed. Everything was different. The landscape had changed. Maybe the guy who wrote the letter was dead. I mean, before, you know. And now you could be in outer space, not even on this planet, and push a button and send a communication instant. You could send a text message anywhere across. But technology was the limiting factor. And if you think about, if you could be back in that time and imagine how urgent a message would be. You've got somebody at home that's dying, and if you could just let the doctor know, I've got somebody here, but by the time I get the information, this person's going to be dead. And how crippling that would feel and how helpless you would feel. Like, if I could just get instant communication this wouldn't be an issue, but technology was the limiting factor, and it didn't matter how urgent the message was, it was limited by the factor of technology, and this is what I want you to understand about what we're going to talk about this morning, is that it doesn't matter how smart your children are, it doesn't matter how creative they are, it doesn't matter the level of genius that they have. It doesn't matter their upbringing and how much money you, you have for them. Work ethic will always be the limiting factor in their life. And all of that creativity, all of that talent, all of that genius will go to waste on a person that has not learned to develop work ethic. I've seen a lot of people in my life, and, and some of you could say, amen, because you probably have them working for you. They have a lot of of gifts, a lot of talent, and it's wasted because they don't have corresponding work ethic. 
And that is the limiting factor in their life. And I've seen so many families that don't seem to understand this. I remember uh, I was on staff at a church one time, and I was working with a guy, and his, I was uh, in the, working in the youth ministry. And one of his sons, you know, they were maybe 14, 15, something like that. And it came to my attention as I was having a conversation with him one day that he sat, in the, he sat inside on the couch watching TV while his daddy mowed the lawn. And to me, that was such a foreign concept, shall we say. That was so far from how I was raised that I couldn't even wrap my brain around. So I had to go ask his dad if this were true. It was like an anomaly. I couldn't believe that that could possibly happen in in someone's home. It was just so far from how I was raised. So I went to his dad who was on staff at the church and was a pastor at the church. And I said, man, I was talking to your son and he told me that he he doesn't know how to mow the grass, and he sits inside on the couch watching TV while you mow the grass. And he said, yeah, I'm just real particular about it. He doesn't know what he's doing, you know, and I'm real particular about it, and I just have a certain way I like to do it. And, I I mean, my mind was blown. I just couldn't keep my mouth shut. I said, "Well, well, how did you ever learn to do it? He said, well, you know, I eventually had to get, I said, well, how's he going to learn to do it unless he gets out there? And my, my, my mind was blown because of the short-sightedness of it. I was thinking, you're thinking that the grass and how you like it being done perfect is more important than your child developing work ethic. I'd rather the, I'd rather the yard be cut sideways and have weeds sticking over here if he learned how to work a little bit and, per, and persevere a little bit because that's what's going to serve him well in life. And you having the grass done just right, that's actually not the most important thing. And what you do is you work with them until they learn how to do it like you do it. But that takes time to do that. So for the first time, I kind of understood that sometimes we don't teach our kids work ethic because it's selfish on our part. We don't want to take the time to do it. We don't want to take the time to go through it. I, and I'm, I understand. I've, sometimes you're working with your kid and you're trying to teach them something. And you're like, just give it to me. I'll do it myself. It's a lot easier to do that, isn't it? But I have to prepare myself before we go you know, out on our property to do something on a job, I have to mentally prepare myself about what's more important today. It's actually not more important that the job get done. That's not the most important thing. The most important thing is that they get trained to develop this character trait in their life. Amen? So this is a big factor. The Word of God has a lot to say about this. And why do I say it's a limiting factor? Well, because everything in life is uphill. Everything worthwhile in life is uphill. A good marriage is uphill. A good education is uphill. Health and fitness is uphill. It's all difficult. It's only the easy things in life that are downhill. It's only the things that don't have any value that are easy. It's all uphill. This is the point. Every single thing good in life requires a tremendous amount of work. Do I have to tell you that? Or have you been living it for a while? Now you understand it. You are, everybody knows that. Everything good in life requires a tremendous amount of work. Not only to get it, but to sustain it. To sustain it. And this is where some people fail is because they don't tr- have true work ethic. They have, they have what they need when the emotions are really high and feeling good to put forth the work. But then how many of you know that true work ethic can sustain it when the feeling is left? And really, work ethic is revealed when you're at your most tired, your most discouraged. 
Do you have the work ethic to push through and fight and persevere and do what's right? Listen, that is developed in a child from a young age. And I have some maybe good, maybe bad news, not sure which. You can interpret it how you want. But I'm going to tell you, in working with people and, and having, you know, the relationships in my life and different churches and things like that, I have not had a lot of luck of improving work ethic in an adult. And I don't know if you have. If you have, come tell me and show me, tell me how it's done. Because once this is rooted in a person, once it's a rut in their life, it is really hard to change. It feels a lot like a rubber band. You know, you can apply the pressure and that rubber band moves a little bit and then it just pops right back in place. I have not had a lot of luck of taking a lazy adult. Hey, we're having fun this morning, right? I have not had a lot of luck in taking a lazy adult and moving the needle. I'm talking about somebody who's past 18. It is a diff- it's like if you find a person like that, and that's why if you talk to just about any boss manager, they say, look, give me somebody with some drive and a little bit of work ethic. I don't even care if they have any skills. <laughs> I'm so sick of working with people that have skills and talent, but they don't have any work ethic. Why? Because you just about can't put work ethic, ethic in a person past a certain point. So I've not had a lot of luck of putting work ethic into a lazy adult. And that's why it's so important that it get formed and put into a child when they're young. Because when they're young, they are being formed and they're being developed. And if that trait is put in them at a young age, it will stick with them for the rest of their life and it will serve them for the rest of their life. But once they get to a certain point, y'all know, you know what I'm talking about. It is really hard to change it. As a matter of fact, it almost seems like as people get older, they lose this a little bit naturally because our energy and our motivation and our, our physical body, it, it seems to go down a little bit. So it's almost as if work ethic wanes, not grows as we get older. So you got to start out really high and have enough to carry you all the way to the end because it's going to be drained just a little bit along the way. But we have to realize how crucial this is because by the time they get out of your house, there are a lot of things in their life that are set in stone. And I know we don't like to hear that because people like to have these platitudes, you know, oh, well, anybody can change. Well, that's true, but guess what it takes to change? Work ethic. So no, anybody can't change. And I've experienced this over and over again uh, as a pastor and minister. No, everybody cannot change. You know why? Because it takes work ethic to change. And if you don't have work ethic, you just about can't change. Because every single thing that is needed in your life to change is going to require tremendous work and discipline on your own at home. It's like people come, they go to a counselor, they go to a therapist, they come sit and talk to a pastor. Why? Because that's the easy part. Hearing what you need to do. Talking about what you need to do. That's the easy part. And and almost people get aggravated. Well, I went to the counselor and it didn't change anything. Well, no, duh, because they can only tell you what you need to do when you get home. And if you don't have the work ethic to go home and do it and implement it, you're never going to change. So actually, unfortunately, no, everybody cannot change. Only those who have the work ethic and the the self-discipline can change because it takes that to affect change. This is just the world we live in. Look, it's a cursed, broken world. Remember, it wasn't like that in the beginning. God created the garden and, there, you know, the weather was nice. Everything was easy. And then when they sinned, God said, look, everything's going to be difficult from this point forward. Work, gardening is going to be hard. Mowing the grass is going to be hard. You're going to sweat. 
giving birth is going to be hard. It's all going to be hard. That's the world we live in now. It's a broken, corrupt world filled with sin. Everything's been changed by it. But it's all going to be hard, and work ethic actually helps you overcome that, that challenge. So just keep in mind that this is not something that is very easy to change later. I'm not going to say it's impossible, but it's very, very difficult to change later. So we have to instill it in them by the time they get out of our house. And if you wait till they're teenagers, it's also hard. It's also hard by the time they're teenagers as well. You got to start young. Let them help around the house. Let them help in the kitchen. Let them take up a chore that they can do. Let them help outside. Let them be part of it. They need to develop those habits. Proverbs 10.5, it says, He who gathers in summer is a prudent son, but he who sleeps in harvest is a son who brings shame. Brings shame to who? Brings shame to his parents. And you can imagine a culture at this time People living in small communities, and you got kids that are outside gathering, and you got one in the house sleeping when they ought to be outside with all the other kids gathering and harvest. He said, This brings shame on the parent. Interesting, it doesn't say it brings shame on the son. It doesn't bring shame on the son because the son was not responsible for developing work ethic in his own life as a child. His parents were responsible. So it doesn't bring shame on the son. It brings shame on the parents because they were the ones responsible for teaching it and instilling it in his life. A child should know what it is like. A child should know what it is like to feel exhausted from doing something that they did not want to do. They should know the feeling of that. That will serve them well in life. Because when they learn to push through... In hard times, when they least feel like it, that's going to serve them well in marriage. That's going to serve them well in their relationship with God, going to church, their prayer life. That's going to serve them well in every area. A child should know what it's like to feel exhausted from doing something they did not want to do. They should know what it feels like to work when your body doesn't want to work anymore. Every child needs to feel the deep satisfaction that comes from a job well done. And I I had ample opportunity for this growing up, and I know many of you did, but my parents owned a nursery, and I worked out in the nursery every summer. It was 100-something degrees, and my friends were swimming. They were riding bikes. They'd they'd drive past our house and make fun of us while we're out there working in the nursery every summer, 100-plus degrees. I thought I was going to die half the summers. But there was something being instilled in me. There was something being put in me, and I remember very clearly times where you'd be looking at what seemed like miles of plants and buckets and thousands of buckets. And, you're, and dad would say, you got to pull the weeds in every bucket. And you had to do it one at a time. Pick up one bucket. It'd take you a few minutes to do it. And you'd go, that was one, and there's a thousand left. And you just go, this is the most discouraging thing in the world. But to get to the end and to look back over what you had done and what you accomplished, every child needs to feel the deep satisfaction that comes from a job well done. They need to know they can do it. They need to see the value and the fruit and the reward of what happens when you persevere and you stick to something, what can happen. You see, this is very, very different than what the world teaches. Very, very different than what the world teaches. Let me tell you what the world teaches our kids. The world teaches our kids that they should have self-esteem. Do you know the Bible doesn't say anything about self-esteem? 
That's a, that's a, that's a man-made term. Self-esteem is believing in yourself even if you should not be believing in yourself. Even if you've not proven anything or done anything, you should have high self-esteem. And we have a whole generation that has very high self-esteem. They have very high self-esteem. And in, in many cases, it's unwarranted because they haven't done anything. And this is why you have 80% of Gen Z that wants to be social media influencers. They want to have a YouTube channel where they're telling other people how to live their life. And they want to be life coaches telling people how to live their life. And they've not done anything. But why did they think they could do that? Because they were told their whole life they should have high self-esteem. You should believe in yourself. Well, actually, I I don't think that we should be teaching our kids about self-esteem. We should be teaching our kids about self-respect. And there's a big difference because self-respect is earned. Self-respect comes from doing something and accomplishing something. And then you believe in yourself because I said, well, I did this. I worked all day and accomplished this. Maybe I can do something harder. Maybe I can do this. I've been put in this situation and I had to persevere and I had to work hard. And so if I could accomplish that, maybe I could do this. How many of you remember that with David? David had self-respect. He also had respect in God because he said, I I overcame the bear. I overcame the lion. Maybe I can overcome this giant Goliath. That's where self-respect comes in. Galatians talks about the difference between self-respect and self-esteem. Galatians chapter 6 verse 3. It says, for if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, (laughs) he deceives himself. Did you know there's a lot of people in this world that think they are something when they are nothing? They think they are something when they are nothing. What is that? That is having misplaced self-esteem. You think you are something. You think you are great even though you have not accomplished or done anything. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. So see, we're not after self-esteem. I don't want to just tell my kids they're the greatest thing since sliced bread constantly. I want them to realize that if you want to be anything great in this life, then you're going to have to actually become something great. You don't just get to be great because you were born. Everybody was born. <laughs> just because you're born. No, that you have to earn it. It's self-respect. So Paul says, if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one test his own work. And then... Then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. For each will have to bear his own load. So Paul makes it very clear. He says, if you, he said, you, if you want to be something, then you're going to have to work. You're going to have to pull your own load. And if you boast in yourself, it needs to actually be based in something that you've done or something that you have created. Our children need to be taught this. They need to be taught this. And... These happen in a lot of different conversations. Sometimes you'll have one kid that is uh, put in a lot of time at something. Uh, We've probably all experienced this. I know I've experienced this. You have one kid that's worked really hard, and they put in a lot of time doing something, and they're reaping the rewards of that, and it starts to make the other child feel kind of down on themselves. Well, I wish I could do that. Well, I, I wish I had that gift. I wish I was good like that. And the conversation you have in that moment is, is crucial. To sit them down and explain, there's not a single thing stopping you from doing what they did to get here. They don't have more talent than you. They don't have more gifting than you. 
they worked harder than you. And that's why they got here. Now, I'm only telling you that because you're saying you want to get there. If, if you don't care to, no problem. But don't sit and deceive yourself and think that, oh, they just have something special that I don't have. No, they just worked harder than you. And they did something you didn't do. And so they're receiving something you're not receiving. And if you want to, starting today, you can start putting in the same work that they did. And you'll get the same result that they have. Those conversations are crucial of how a child frames their mind and frames their belief about how this world works. Don't let them blame their teacher or blame their friend or blame their coach or blame X, Y, and Z. That creates a, a person who makes excuses instead of makes it happen. That's not what we want. When parents do not force their kids to develop work ethic... They are preparing their children for a life of frustration. Proverbs 13, 4. The soul of the sluggard craves and gets nothing, while the soul of the diligent is richly supplied. So see, this, this creates a life of frustration where you have all these cravings and you have all these desires, but you haven't been taught the work ethic and the disciplines of how to get them. So you're just constantly frustrated. So he gives this example. He says, the soul of the sluggard craves, but gets nothing, while the soul of the diligent is richly supplied. When we don't teach our kids work ethic, we're preparing them for a life of frustration where they constantly have desires, but they're never able to attain them. They're never able to reach them because they have a wrong mindset. When, when a child is not taught work ethic, they tend to develop this mentality of, well, the reason I'm not successful or the reason I'm not getting what I want is someone else's fault. Because when you grow up without the satisfaction of work ethic and, and being able to work hard and get a result, the tendency is not to look inward. The tendency is to begin to try to figure out why are other people further along than me? Why are other people having better results than me? Why are other people having better success than me? And the conclusion they will come to if left to their own mind is, well, it's just not fair. It's not fair. They didn't like me. Teacher didn't like me. Boss didn't like me. Mom and dad didn't like me. They liked them better. They will make excuses for themselves. And listen, this will be a pattern for the rest of their life. Every time they don't get the promotion, every time they're fired, every time their marriage doesn't work out, they will blame someone else in their life. It will be someone else's fault. It will never be their fault. It'll be the world's fault. It'll be God's fault. It'll be anything they can point their finger at, but it'll never be their fault. And that's developed, that, that mindset and that worldview is developed from the time they are young. So when we don't break that, when we don't break that at a young age, we're preparing them for a life of frustration. When parents do not teach their children work ethic, they are preparing their children for a life of poverty. Proverbs 24, 30 says, I passed by the field of a sluggard, by the vineyard of a man lacking sense, and behold, it was all overgrown with thorns. The ground was covered with nettles, and its stone wall was broken down. Then I saw and considered it. I looked and received instruction. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come upon you like a robber and want like an armed man. So when we do not, this is a principle in Scripture, the diligent will be richly supplied. 
the sluggard or the which sluggard. I think we should bring that word back. What a great word. Just tell you, you sluggard, what's the matter with you? He says the, the sluggard will have poverty come upon him like a robber, like an armed man. When we don't teach our children work ethic, we are preparing them for a trail of broken relationships and a bad reputation. Proverbs 10, 26 says, Like vinegar to the teeth and smoke to the eyes, so is the sluggard to those who send him. In other words, when a person has not developed work ethic, they're undependable. They don't follow through on what they say. They don't, they don't do their word. You send them to do something and they, they don't do it because they don't have that work ethic. He says it's like smoke to the eyes and vinegar to the teeth for the person that sent them. And, and we have other Proverbs that talk about how refreshing it is to send a faithful person and they get the job done and they do it right. But this will lead to a trail of broken relationships and a bad reputation. Why? Because it follows them. If you work for me, if you work for someone and they do a terrible job, what happens? Next place they go, they say, do you have any referrals? <laughs> and then they call me and they say, hey, what about so-and-so? What's going to happen? Their bad reputation is going to follow them everywhere that they go. So you're preparing them for a life of broken relationships, difficulty, and a bad reputation. And finally, when parents do not instill work ethic in their kids, they are preparing them for difficulty in marriage and raising a family. <clears throat> you know, when we got married, we made vows. And there's only one thing upholding those vows in our culture, in our society. It is a person's character. Those vows are there for when the emotion is not there. That's why when people say, well, I have fallen out of love. What? You, I didn't hear nothing about that in the wedding vow. <laughs> I didn't hear nothing about you falling out of love. You were going to end the marriage. I wish you'd said that on day one. You should have said that. Maybe I'm going to start asking that when I do wedding. Now, if you fall out of love, are you going to leave this person? Because I didn't put that in the vow. I need to rewrite this. No, the vow said, for better or worse. The vow is preparing the vow is there because it, it looks ahead and it goes, there's going to be work. There's going to be times that are really, really bad and really, really difficult. And there's going to be times where there's no emotion there and there's no feeling and there's no love there. And the only thing you have is this vow. The only thing you have is the vow that says, I don't like you right now. I don't like the situation we're in, but I'm committed to you and I'm going to be faithful to you. That's why we made the vow. If it was all just going to be roses and and ice cream, we wouldn't need a vow. We make a vow because there's going to be really difficult times. But there's only one thing upholding that vow, and that's your character. And if you've learned to persevere for better, during better and worse times in your life, if you've learned to persevere in school, if you've learned to persevere through sports, if you've learned to persevere through work in the hot sun, guess what? That translates to your marriage. If you're a person that's learned to persevere and, and endure hard times, that translates to marriage in the family because it's a character issue that follows you around. So when we teach them to give up when they get tired, give up when they don't like it anymore, give up when somebody was mean to them, how do you think that's going to go in marriage? Because in marriage, somebody's going to be mean to them. They're going to be tired. They're not going to like them anymore. Somebody's going to say something mean to them. And guess what? They're going to abandon 
their vow. They're going to abandon their marriage. So work ethic will follow them into their marriage and into their family. How many of you found out that marriage was a little bit harder than you thought it was going to be? I didn't see one hand go up. That's because you're sitting next to your spouse. You didn't want to say that. But how many of you found out raising kids was a little bit harder than you thought it was going to be before you had kids? Now, a few hands went up on that because they're not in here. They're in the back. Yeah, a lot of things in life. I'd say most things in life, you find out job, promotion, what you find out it's a little bit harder than you thought it was going to be, which is why we need perseverance and work ethic. And again, that is put in and instilled in a child from a young age. Okay, what should we be looking out for? What are some kind of red flags, telltale signs, things we ought to be looking out for in our kids? Number one is excuses. Okay, excuses should not be tolerated in your house. When an excuse is made, you got to reframe it. You got to reframe it for them. And I always make sure that my kids are saying it correctly. And you go, well, does it really matter? Oh, yes, it really matters. Because what they say, they're going to get in their brain up here, and they're going to begin to repeat it over and over again through every situation. So in my house, my kids are not allowed to say, I can't do that. Why? Is it, is it because possibly they can't do it? Well, it could be, but we make them say it a different way. We make them say it a different way. What I would rather you say is, I don't yet know how to do that, but I can learn. I'd rather you say that. Or I'd even rather you say, I don't know how to do that, and I don't feel like investing the energy to learn how to do it. I'd rather you say that. But don't lie to yourself and say you can't, because you could if you wanted to. And you could put in what the work needed necessary if you wanted to. And I would rather you have that frame of mind and realize the reason I'm not doing that is because I don't feel like putting in the energy to do that. And that may be perfectly fine. I mean, I'm not good at everything in my life. There's, not, there's tons of things that I just could look at that and go, I'm not wasting time doing that. I don't want to put in the energy to do that. But don't sit there and say, I can't do that. Because excuses are actually a form of self-deception. It's very important to understand. Excuses are actually a form of self-deception. It's lying to yourself to convince yourself that the reason I don't have this is X, Y, and Z. When in reality, those reasons could be overcome. And those reasons could be uh, dealt with. So when you tell yourself an excuse and you go, well, I can't do that because of this. The reality is, no, you could have overcome that. But you didn't. So the, the truth is not I can't. The truth is I didn't want to or I didn't have the character to or I didn't have the work ethic to. It's very important how you reframe the excuses that they make. Proverbs twenty two thirteen. This is almost kind of tongue in cheek. It says the sluggard says there's a lion outside. I shall be killed in the streets. In other words, the point is, they always have an excuse. There's always a reason why you can't do it, why you couldn't succeed. And as parents, when we hear excuses, that's when we got to go into action. And it doesn't mean you got to get angry. It doesn't mean you got to, you know, be, be mean about it. But you sit them down and explain why that excuse is actually not your problem. Why that excuse is actually not your problem and why actually the power to do it or not do it lies solely within you. You know, if I tell my kid, if I, so this is one example I can think of. Hey, go in there and make me a pot of coffee. Hmm. Well, I don't know how to do that. Well, 
See, that's your excuse. I don't have to do it because I don't know how to do it. And that excuse will be there every single time I ask until something changes, right? Every single time I say, hey, can you go make us a pot of coffee? Go make me and your own pot of coffee. Well, I don't know how to do that. So that's your excuse. Until I either help them learn how to do it, you know, go in there and show them or, or tell them, hey, figure it out. It's not that hard. I've seen you do a lot of other things. That's one we, that's one we love to pull. I say, well, do I tell my son, well, you could play Pachelbel, Canon, and D on the piano, and you taught yourself that from YouTube. I think you can go make a pot of coffee. I think you can go figure out how to pour water and turn a button on. But what's the difference? Well, he wanted to do this. He didn't want to do that. So the excuses came in with this, but over here the excuses were overcome. So we have to help our kids see that. We want them to be in a pattern of not making excuses. Number two, what do we need to look out for? No grit. Just doesn't want to push through. Doesn't, doesn't want to finish. Do, doesn't want to do anything hard. Just gives up very easily. That has to be challenged in their life. They have to be made to do certain things, made to push through and made to endure. That helps them develop grit. No follow-through, meaning you don't keep your word. If you say you're going to do something, you do it. This is, these are lessons that kids learn that stay with them for the rest of their life. You know, that happens all the time. Hey, um, I was supposed to go here. I was supposed to be there. I told so-and-so, you know, I was going to do this. But, you know, then this came up, and I really don't want to do that anymore. Those are crucial moments. Those are crucial moments. That well, Did you give them your word that you were going to do it? Did you tell them you were going to be there? Well, yeah, but, you know, I didn't know about this other thing. doesn't matter. A man, a woman keeps their word even to their own harm, even to their own hurt. You keep your word, and you, and you do what you say you're going to do. If you tell someone you're going to be on time, be on time. If you tell someone you're going to do something, follow through. So we have to look for that. Do they have follow through? When they say they're going to do something, do they keep their word? Do they keep their commitments? Not only telling other people, but their own commitments. If they say, well, I think I'm going to start working out in the mornings, and you know I'm going to do this three days a week, and then they quit in two days. You got to pay attention. You go, go, wait a minute. You said you were going to do this. Why'd you stop after two days? They have to keep their commitments. These are things that develop work ethic. Do they do what they say they're going to do? Another thing to look out for, bad attitude. It's not enough just to do the right thing. You have to do it with the right attitude. Part of having good work ethic is having a good attitude while you do it. The Bible says that the willing and obedient will eat the good of the land. Willing refers to attitude. It's not just obedient, it's willing and obedient that will eat the good of the land. Okay, so what are we to do? How do we instill work ethic? We've, we've talked about a few things. Let's just go through some of these. One, we must put them in situations where they are forced to work and work hard. And this is really the best Training, right? This is really the best medicine. Just be put in situations where you, you're forced to do it, where you're forced to work hard. Again, I was, the way I was raised, I didn't have a choice in it. I, I was made to do it, and I, and I hated it in the beginning, but then I got used to it. And I can tell you what, when I became an adult, I was eternally grateful for it. 
And any of us that had parents that made us work, it may have made us mad in the moment. Most, most kids are not, being, are not happy about being made to work, but they will be eternally grateful for it in the end. So they have to be put in situations where they're forced to work and work hard. Maybe they can, uh, you know, mow the grass. They can help out around the house. They can have chores. There's lots of things that they can do. But keep in mind, if you haven't been used to doing this, this will not go well at first. And so you have to prepare yourself for that. If you take a kid that has not been used to working and you start making them work, they will respond the way that the flesh likes to respond. And there may be fits. There may be anger. There may be all kinds of things. What is that? That is the flesh throwing a fit. The flesh, we know all about the spirit and flesh, right? In the book of Galatians, chapter, chapter 5, we know all about the spirit and flesh. There's a battle going on in the inside of it. The flesh is lazy, the flesh is selfish, the flesh wants to be served constantly, and if you let, let it by default go, that is the direction all of us would go, but that's the direction our children will go, is serve me, feed me, pay for me, <laughs> that's the direction. And that we have to help our kids see that actually, no, you're supposed to serve others. And actually, it's okay if you pay your own way. From time to time. And as they get all of these things are appropriate at certain ages. They have to be put in situations. Where they are forced to work and work hard. And what does this do? It teaches them to put the flesh under. And that will serve them very, very well the rest of their life. And in their relationship with God. Because when you learn to put the flesh under. You learn to deny the flesh and yield to the spirit then you are going to have a much better time at being a Christian and at being a human being in this life. So what do we do? We put them in those kind of situations. Maybe you go, well, I don't really have anything like that around my house. Well, maybe you have a neighbor. Maybe you have a grandparent. Maybe you have an aunt or uncle. You have somewhere you can send them that they can, they can put in a hard day's work. I remember as a teenager, the first time I worked from 7 in the morning till 7 at night, I, we were loading a big truck. We were loading a big trailer for some big load. My dad had loading plants all day, and we were normally we would uh, normally we would knock off around three or four in the afternoon, and we just kept working and we just kept working. And my fingers were about to fall off, and my knee, my back was killing me. And I was singing, "Oh my God!" I, and then, you know we weren't we never were allowed to take off until Dad said we were done. So we're like, he, he still he hadn't even looked at his watch. I mean, I don't think he knows what time it is. And we just kept working and working. And then it, was, it started to get dark, and we're like, oh, my God. But then you find out, man, at the end of it, you're like, you, you, there's some self-respect there. You go, man, I work 12 hours a day. That felt, that felt great. And for a teenager, it felt, it felt good. And it's good for kids to develop that. Sometimes a child that has no self-esteem, they have no respect for themselves, when they work like that, they go, man, I, I have something in me. I'm, I'm really made of something if I can do that. So it's good for them, but they have to be put in those situations. What else can we do? Well, number two is you can allow consequences. Allow consequences to take their full effect. Meaning, if you don't have any money and your brother does or your sister does, I'm not stepping in for you. Like, like in our house <clears throat> on the weekends, they love to go you know, to the store, and they'll load up on candy and chocolate and things for the weekend, and that's stuff that they pay for. They take their money that they've worked, and they go, and they, they buy. And if one decided to 
not work that week or they blew it on and they don't have any money, that's on them. Let those, let those consequences have effect because it, it inspires us. It, that little bit of pain inspires us to do the right thing. So allow consequences in a good way also. You know, for the last couple years, uh, both of my kids actually been been splitting firewood and selling selling firewood and man there's nothing like they deliver some firewood and they get you know hundred dollars handed to them that's more money than they've seen in you know a while and just the feeling of that payoff and and being able to go buy that that toy or order that thing on Amazon that they've been wanting and they earned it they paid for it you know I bought my kids uh, how many pairs of tennis shoes through their whole life but. But last year, my son bought a pair of tennis shoes with his own money. Not a scratch on them. Not a scuff on them. He barely even wears them. Puts them up on the shelf, you know. I'm like, you didn't treat my shoes like that. But, yeah, it's different when you pay for it yourself. And so those consequences, uh, those good consequences that come from work ethic too, man, they need to be rewarded. When, when our kids do something that requires tremendous work ethic, man, we need to jump in, celebrate it, reward them with it. I remember... Uh, you know, both of my, and I'm just telling you my stories because that's the only ones I have. I'm not trying to, to brag on my kids, but I, these are just things that we've done. Both of my kids uh, at different ages read through the New Testament, which requires a lot of work, a lot of consistency, a lot of discipline. You know, they read through the New Testament in a period of time. And when they did, uh, they did it at different times. I took both of them by themselves, you know, on a weekend trip to Six Flags. We went, stayed in a hotel. We went to Six Flags. We partied all day. Why? As a reward for your hard work and your discipline. Because what we celebrate gets repeated. If you want something to be repeated, if you want a behavior to be repeated, celebrate it. Celebrate it. Reward it. What we celebrate gets repeated. Also, regularly insist on endurance and grit, even if it's something that you think doesn't matter. Even if you think, well, it, it doesn't really matter. It doesn't really matter if they do that or don't do it. It's very small. It's very insignificant. Yeah, but the principle is enormous. And, and if your child commits to do something and all of a sudden they're like, well, uh, you know, I don't want to play on that team anymore. I found out, you know, I don't like t-ball. I don't want to do it anymore. It needs to be a conversation up front. Once you commit to do this, I just want you to know you're at least playing this whole season. You're not quitting in the middle of the season. So you cannot do it. But if you do it and you make that commitment, you're sticking with it. And at the end, you can evaluate it and decide if you want to continue. But you're not quitting in the middle of the season. Those kind of conversations have to happen. And then they have to be followed, followed through on. So regularly insist on endurance and grit. You know, we have some funny conversations around my house. Uh, I'm sure if, if y'all were like a little fly on the wall, y'all might think less of me as a pastor. I'm not sure. Some of you'd love me more. I don't, I don't know which it is. But, but you know, we, if our kids are sick or they got a headache and I, they don't want to do school, we go, look, you think every time when you're an adult, you think every time you got a headache or you're sick or you're not feeling good, you're not going to be able to go to work? You're doing school today. I don't care if you want to do school or not or how you feel. That's, that's a normal part of life is having to push through when you don't feel good. And if every time they're sick, you let them take the time off, that's not good for them. That's not healthy for them. They need to learn to push through with endurance and grit, and it will translate to every area of their life. Now, of course, you have to make judgment calls on everything we're talking about. I'm not like up here with this iron fist, you know. There are times, of course, kids are sick. They stay home. We, we get it. But also, you know, there are a few times they need to push through, too. 
And you can tell the difference usually as a parent. And finally, one of the best things you can do to help develop this in your child is to help them train alongside other men and women who already have these traits. Man, one of the, one of the best things for me growing up was just having to work next to a man that already had these traits. Because if you don't have these traits and you have to work next to somebody that does, it shines the spotlight on you real, real fast. And what will happen is a lot of times those kids will raise to that level. They'll raise to that occasion. They'll raise to that standard. So if you have, maybe it's you. Maybe it's, you know, you're the parent and, and you have that and, and uh, that would be fine. Or if you have a grandparent or you have somebody in their life that you can say, you know what, you're going to go spend some time working with them for a few days or on the weekend helping them do this. That's one of the best things you can do for them. Put them alongside other people that they can respect that have this work ethic already developed in them. Last scripture I want to read to you this morning is Proverbs chapter 12, verse 24. It says, The hand of the diligent will rule while the slothful will be put to forced labor. Now think about that. It's talking about two different statuses in life. It's talking about two different positions in life. There's no parent that wants the latter, the second part, for their child. There's no, every one of us have high hopes for our kids. And he says there's, there's one thing that separates them. And it is whether or not they are diligent or whether or not they are lazy. The diligent will rule. In other words, they'll be leaders. They'll be managers. They'll be owners. While the slothful will be put to forced labor. In other words, they will work for the people who are managers, who are leaders, who are CEOs, who are owners. What do you want for your kids? And you go, well, it's not just the hard work. It's other things. They have to be smart. They have to have these gifts. Look, by and large, it's not that. By and large, it's this issue right here. The diligent will rule while the slothful will be put to forced labor. If you want your kids to be successful, recognize that this tends to be a limiting factor in their life. And it's our responsibility and our job as parents to make sure that that is instilled in their life. Be creative with it. 